Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study on the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Did you know the book of Acts is written over a 30-year period? And there are approximately 30 miracles recorded in the book of Acts. Now that averages out to one miracle per year. That's not a lot. Not a lot. One miracle per year. Now, unfortunately, what we see today in many television ministries is one miracle every 30 seconds. Oh, man, they've got conventions and crusades and all of these kinds of things of come and, you know, get a miracle and get your healing and all of these other kinds of things that we see going on in the church today. Please don't misunderstand me. Please understand we serve a God of miracles. I said that and showed you that in the scriptures. We serve a God of miracles. And God does do miracles. And God uses his people and bestows upon them this gift of miracles. Notice again in your Bibles, the manifestation, that word means the outshining or the visible presence. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. In other words, God will cause this gift or send this gift of miracles upon your life because God sees that there is a person that he wants to sovereignly touch their lives and sovereignly heal them and sovereignly raise them up. And so this gift of miracles is given to you for the moment like Peter when he saw the the man at the gate called beautiful and Peter while he was begging for money. And Peter walked up to the man and he looked at the man and the man looked at Peter. And I'm sure that Peter saw that guy like a hundred times go that way every day. And so Peter, this one day, this one day, Peter looked at the man. The man looked at Peter The man's begging for money. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I give unto thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And he took the man's hand and he rose up and he walked. Therein is the gift of miracles. God chose to heal that man at the gate called beautiful. Nothing was supernaturally spiritual about Peter's hands. Like these here hands have miracle working power. No, because if that be the case, then take your miracle working hands, go over to Western Wake and just go room the room, floor to floor and heal everybody. And they can all walk out of the hospital. Save us all some money. HMOs are nuts. You see, but God chooses to do a miracle and I am suspect and you ought to be, too. And I struggle with the fact that it seems for some ministries that God chooses to do a miracle every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. No, God does miracles. 
God will do miracles. God will bestow this gift of miracles as he chooses sovereignly in his will to touch a person. God will use you to do that. And that's how that gift works. Well, then we move on to the gift of prophecy, to another prophecy. Now, this gift of prophecy is widely misunderstood. Widely misunderstood. When you hear the word prophecy, I don't know about you, but when you hear the word prophecy, when I hear the word prophecy, the first thing I think of is the foretelling of future events. That's the first thing I hear. The foretelling of future events. And that's true. That's one aspect of the gift of prophecy. But the gift of prophecy actually, listen, is not only the foretelling of future events, but it is also the forthtelling of future or of the word of God. The forthtelling of the word of God. The gift actually encompasses two aspects. The foretelling of future events and the foretelling of the word of God. Now, prophecy is predominantly seen as foretelling of the future in the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 1, if you're taking notes, write that down, look it up in your own time. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 For prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And then we see examples of that foretelling of future events. Genesis chapter 49, if you're taking notes, Jacob called his sons and he said, gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 32, Moses foretells the events that would take place after Israel entered the promised land. And then you fast forward to Acts chapter 2. David is spoken of as a prophet of God. Of course, you know that. And many of the Psalms were predictive or foretelling in nature. And of course, who can forget about the prophets? We have Samuel and Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea. All the prophets in the Old Testament, the foretelling of future events, but not just in the Old Testament, also in the New Testament. There's an interesting character by the name of Agabus. We find him in Acts chapter 21, verse 10. A certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and he said, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And then, of course, the book of Acts, the book of uh, Revelation, the foretelling of future events. Now, God will also, at times, use a person to come to you to give you a word of prophecy. Something that God has called you to do, God will give that word to a person. They will come and foretell of something possibly to happen that God wants, God's plan for your life for a specific event. I remember back in 95, before my wife and I came here, and uh, as some of you guys know, we moved here in 1995 and just felt the Lord calling us to come here. We showed up here in 1995, but prior to leaving Southern California, of course, I was attending the Calvary Chapel, and I believe it was probably my last Sunday there. 
And uh, we're out in the parking lot. And uh, this little lady, short lady, uh, comes up to me, and she's a white-haired lady. Her name is Joan LaBruno. I'll never forget Joan. She comes up to me. I'm standing in the parking lot. She walks up to me. She says, you know, she says, God is going to use your life, and you're going to have a really large ministry. She says, and don't you get the big head, or I'll come down there and slap you. I'm like, oh, you have the gift of encouragement, huh? And putting fear in the hearts of black men, huh? And she was the sweetest lady. And she came up and gave a prophecy, and of course, I can see God doing that, and that's coming to pass, and praise the Lord for that. I could see God's hand there. But then there was also another time this one guy came up to me, and I didn't tell him this first or second, but I remember this guy. He, I was at a church in uh, Illinois. And I was in the military then, and this, this one gentleman walked up to me, and he says, you know, he says, God is showing me, thus says the Lord. It's like, uh-oh, all right, where are we going with this, you know? Thus says the Lord, God is showing me that you're supposed to be in this church and help us to pastor this church. And I said, well, God ain't showing me that, so um, I don't know what to tell you. Because God wasn't showing me. See, oftentimes when God is showing you something, God will also be speaking to that other person. And thus this word of prophecy then is not some revelation. It actually is a confirmation to something that you already know that God is already doing. This way, it protects you. God, the Holy Spirit protects you from people who walk up to you and say, you know, bro, God is showing me that you should sell me your Lexus for a hundred bucks. Oh, really? Well, we're going to have to pray about that. <laughs> you see? So God is working in, in them and God is working in you. And thus the prophecy then becomes confirmation. That foretelling becomes confirmation. But also the gift of prophecy is the foretelling, as I said, of the word of God. It's the foretelling of the mind and the heart of God as the word of God is taught. It's the gift of expounding on the word of God and making it alive and plain so that people can understand it. You see, the gift of prophecy is oftentimes intertwined with the gift of teaching. How many times it probably happens weekly. That people will come up to me after a service and they'll say, you know what? That word you spoke was just for me. It was right to my heart. It was just for me. Now, there's three, four hundred people in the room, but that word was just for me. You see, God used that to speak a word to just their heart. It's oftentimes intertwined with teaching. I was having lunch with a guy on Friday in downtown Raleigh. He had a wonderful lunch and we're sitting there talking and he says, you know, pastor, he says, I got to be honest with you. And uh, he said, uh, you know, when I first started coming to the church, he said, you know, when you used to teach, man, you used to make me so mad. He said, I get so mad with you. And I'm sitting there thinking, who does this guy think he is? And, you know, some of y'all laughing because y'all thought the same thing, right? Who does this guy think he is? He said, I'd leave. I'd be so mad at you. I'd go home seething. Who do you think you are? And he'd come back the next week for more pain. And so I'm preaching the next week. And he said, you know, I'd come back the next week. He said, I just, I was mad at you, but I had to come back. 
And so he comes back and his wife, he's got wife and kids, and he says, he's listening to me preaching the same thing. Who do you think you are? You know, and, I, and, and you know, and, and he said, and then he tell his wife, he'd look over at her and write her a note. Who does he think he is? She's going, honey, wait till we get home. Who does he think? He'd go home, come back the next week for more pain. Who does he think he is? And he told me, he said all of that time, this went on for months, and he kept coming back, which is the amazing thing to me. But that went on for months, and what was happening is the Holy Spirit was using the word of God to tap on his heart, to change his life. He told me this. You know, someone once said, you throw a stone in a pack of wolves, the one that howls the loudest is the one that got hit. Isn't that true? And, 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 and he, 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 the Holy Spirit began to use the word of God and that gift of prophecy as the word of God is being foretold from the pulpit to tap on his heart and to change his life. And he told me, he said, and now I want to thank you because God is doing a work in my life as a result, not of Rodney, but as a result of the teaching of the word of God and this gift of prophecy. Amen. That's how it works. And so God wants to give us that gift. This gift is simply the foretelling. And what happens is it's exercised supernaturally natural. Now, in first Corinthians chapter 14, here's the purpose of the gift. If you're a note taker, you write this down because here is the purpose of the gift of prophecy. First Corinthians 14, three. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. You see, edification means to build up. This is an architecture word referring to the establishing of a building or to make firm and solid. Exhortation is the Greek word parakletos. It means to call to one side to help. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you, by the way. He comes to your side and causes you and urges you to pursue some course of action to give your life to Jesus. And then to comfort, it means one call to one side to console. And so the purpose, the person who's exercising this gift of prophecy is foretelling the heart and the mind of God. And they'll be speaking words of comfort and exhortation and edification. Now, really quickly, how do you test a word of prophecy? Because we've all heard them. People have told us, given us words of prophecy that we didn't think was of the Lord and didn't know. How do you test it? It's really simple. Three things. First of all, you test the word of prophecy by, is that word consistent with the word of God? Is it consistent with the word of God? What do you mean, Rodney? I mean this. Does it line up with the revealed word of God? You see, God will never contradict his own word. Say amen if you agree with that. Okay. God will never, ever contradict what he has already written, what he has already said. And Paul the apostle in Galatians chapter 1, he said, even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached, then let him be accursed. In other words, God's not going to change his mind and preach another gospel. Is what you're hearing, how do you test the prophecy? Is it consistent with the word of God? Secondly, is that prophecy 100% accurate? It's got to be 100% consistent and 100% accurate. If this foretelling is from God, it's going to be 100% accurate. Deuteronomy 18, 21. 
And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? Or when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing, note this, does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophecy is spoken presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. You see, is the prophecy 100% accurate? 99.9% won't do. Amen? 100% accurate. Thirdly, is it 100% to the glory of God? Oh, that's simple enough. Deuteronomy 13. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign, note this, or the wonder comes to pass. You see, the previous one, it does not come to pass in Deuteronomy 18. Well, here, if that sign does come to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. God says, don't listen to him, even if the prophecy comes to pass. Don't listen to him. Why? Because he's drawing you after false gods. Oh, what a grievous thing for me to hear. That Christians called Sister Cleo. You know the Jamaican shaman. Call me now. What a grievous thing. And Pastor Rodney, I got to tell you, man. I got to tell you. I called Sister Cleo. And she told me that I was going to get a job next week. And guess what? I got a job. I didn't really want me to be happy about this, okay? I got a job. And I said, really? Yeah, what she said came true. And it's true. Sometimes these prophecies that they give you from these psychic hotlines, they will come true. You know why? Because the devil, the demons are giving them the information. So they will come true. But the Bible says don't go after them. It is a grievous thing for a Christian to call a psychic when they could call Jesus. Amen? You could call Jesus. You could talk to him. He'll tell you everything you need to know. Matter of fact, it's already written down. Just get in the word, and God has already told us. Calling Sister Cleo, you know, people call her for help. She can't help herself. I was reading this. I read it some time ago. Let me read it to you again about Sister Cleo. Some time ago, the state of Florida is in court with her, was in court with her, to prove that she isn't the Jamaican shaman that she claimed to be before millions of her viewers in TV infomercial. St. Louis, Missouri Attorney General has filed two lawsuits against her for false advertising, fraud, and unlawful business practices. The state attorney general, Jay Nixon, told CNN, the fact that she didn't see the lawsuit coming proves she isn't psychic. Don't call her. She can't help herself. You see? Is it consistent with God's word? Is it 100% accurate? And is that prophecy to the glory of 
God. Lastly, the discerning of spirits, the discerning of spirits. Now, I like to define the discerning of spirits as the ability from God to discern between that which is inspired by the Holy Spirit and that which is inspired by the spirit of the enemy. You want to take note in your Bibles in verse 10, the discerning of spirits. You see that with an S, discerning of spirits. So here God has given to the church help. Helps us to discern what is of the Holy Spirit and what is of a demon spirit or the spirit of the enemy. Now, this is a great, 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 great need of discernment in the church today, especially. First Timothy chapter four, verse one says, now the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Doctrines of demons. First John chapter four, verse one gives us a biblical explanation of the discerning of spirits. First John chapter four says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. John is saying, brothers and sisters, don't believe and receive everything you hear as if it's spiritual. Put these things to the test. You know, it's sad but true, but many Christians are willing to believe anything in the spiritual realm. Whether it comes from Oprah, Dr. Phil, Guidepost, Newsweek, TBN. Christians are so willing, as long as they throw Jesus, just a little bit of Jesus in there, a few scripture verses, oh, it must be of God. It must be Christian. The Bible says, no, we need to test the spirit. How do you test the spirit? Well, it's very simple. John told us, here's the litmus test. First John chapter four, verse two. By this, you know, the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now already is in the world. Here's the litmus test. How do you test the spirit? It's not that difficult. Simply listen to what they say about Jesus. Bar none, every cult and every false spirit and every demon spirit does not agree with some very core essentials about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You want to know what a false spirit is? Simply ask yourself, ask them, do they acknowledge that Jesus has come in the flesh as humans? See, Gnostics didn't. The Gnostics didn't, and many today don't believe that Jesus came in a physical body. They believe that Jesus came in a spiritual body. They even say that when Jesus walked on the sand, he didn't leave footprints. Why? Because he was spiritual. He was a spirit. And when he ate, he really didn't chew the food and digest it and the nutrients take, you know, do what they do in the body. Why? Because he was spirit. So do they acknowledge that Jesus came in human form. Do they acknowledge that Jesus was an historical being? Do they believe that Jesus came as the promised Messiah of the Old Testament? Do they believe that Jesus came in the flesh and was 100% man and 100% God? Do they believe that Jesus died and rose again from the grave? You see, you get it. The key is Jesus. 
The key is Jesus Christ. Everything centers on what you believe about Jesus. Listen, listen to me. If you get nothing else out of our time together this morning, please get this. Get this. What you believe about Jesus determines where you will spend eternity. What you believe about Jesus. See, if what you believe about Jesus is right, then your faith is right. If what you believe about Jesus is wrong, then your faith is wrong. What you believe about Jesus, this whole Christian thing, you guys, it all centers on one person, Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, if Jesus said, I am the way, if Jesus said, I am the way, then he must be the way. And that's a pretty radical statement. I am the way. In other words, the implication is I am the only way. That's radical. Now, if he's lying about that, then don't believe anything else he says. Don't follow him at all. You know, some people say, well, Jesus is a good person. Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right. Oh, yeah. That's what they say. All right. Well, wait a minute. He's got to be more than all right. Because if he's lying about the fact that he is the only way to get to heaven, then he's not all right. He is a liar and a lunatic, and you shouldn't follow him at all. Don't listen to a word he has to say. But if, in fact, what he says about his person, that he is truly the way, the truth, and the life, and no man gets to the Father except through him, if that be true, then we must respond. We must obey him. We must do what he says. Everything centers on Christ. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.